You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 191, Rosetta. Hosted by Dan Terry. Hashtag Zayogate. Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. Billy Forever. And Joseph Wren. It's Discuss Metal Dan. I'm bringing you smooth jazz this evening. And then you play Dillinger. Dillinger Escape Plan. The smoothest jazz I can think of. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you think bad things happen in Philadelphia, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. Brian Patton is back to talk about Rosetta. Yeah, let's get crushed. Yeah, I also enjoyed drifting off to sleep while flying through outer space. And uh, this band pretty much accomplishes that for me. Every now and again, though, they wake my ass up, which is kind of kind kind of exciting uh, all at the same time. I love space metal guys and Rosetta is kind of one of the ultimate embodiments of that. You're pretty much a fan of all things space. Space metal, space rock, actual outer space. Well, I've never been to actual outer space, but I have heard it's I've heard it's nice. You'll get there someday, inc- dude. It's but fine. But incredibly emotional and depressing all at the same time. So I think <laughs> I think outer space is is kind of where it's at and uh, Rosetta is absolutely one of my favorite bands in this style. And I don't really even know what to call this style. Um, I mean, is it is it post-metal or is it like, I don't know, like ambient <laughs> metal? There's still some metal in there, but I don't know. It's mostly ambient, especially off their first record, which I believe came out on two discs. And basically half of it was noise and the other half of it was like Rosetta songs. <laughs> well, because you're listening to it wrong. I know I'm supposed to listen to them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> How does that fucking work? I'm supposed to get two CD players, four sets of speakers, make sure I hit play at the perfect time. They're doing that same bullshit that Neurosis does, <laughs> where you have to, like, yeah, sequence two records at the exact same time. And um, that, I, I have listened to it both ways. Um, people on YouTube are really nice where they sync them up the same way for you, or sync them up for you, and you can kind of hear the full product, but then you have to listen to whatever shitty encoder that youtube used so you don't really get the full effect so the idea is that you would have two turntables <laughs> and both lps and put them down and i guess i'm thinking for perfect stereo you do one you do your right speaker hooked up to one turntable and then your left speaker hooked up to the other ones and then you just sit there in the middle i strongly disagree it's 2020 we all have digital audio recorders because we're all on podcast so you just take your mp3s line them up render them down compressed to hell and go to town i see well that that would work too (laughs) i was just going i was just going for the uber hipster way of doing it um which actually if we were going to go that route we would actually just get like the original reel-to-reel tape and just uh course i don't know how many of the records are on reel-to-reel tape well that conversation's going nowhere uh something interesting that happened to me this week and by this week i mean like earlier today we're going to talk about this now oh yeah so I got I got my Zeo where Blood and Fire Ring Rest, uh, you know, holy fucking shit edition reissue. How's that fucking artwork, by the way? Oh, the artwork is fantastic. Everything about this vinyl re-release is fantastic, except for one thing. <laughs> and uh, that is uh, you get to the song March. So fourth song on the album. And you get about, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds into the intro. And then... Um, 
this happens. You think this is how they came up with the remix idea? We'll just loop a section and that'll be a beat? Well, you know, it's a it's an endless loop. It's a, it's a locked groove, meaning that your stylus is never going to pass off of that groove and go, go into the rest of the record unless you actually get up and take the needle and move it over uh, a little bit. So you're going to move, you're going to lose a little bit of audio there. Uh, and the thing that sucks is that it appears to be that the majority of the records that went out have this have this defect. So we're 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 now entering uh, with all the drama that was associated with how quickly this sold out and how important it was and how everybody was super stoked. Uh, this has now turned into its own uh, its own new problem that we are affectionately referring to as Zeogate. <laughs> it is uh, rough. Now, I have not gotten my Splinter Shards uh, record yet, but I can only hope that that one is actually really good. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, so if any of you guys have, uh, have where Blood and Fire bring rest and you're trying to currently flip it on eBay, I would really hate to be you right now. <laughs> And if you're also having this problem, take a little video or a picture or something, throw it up on the on your Facebook page with hashtag Zayogate. Let's see how many hits we can get on Zayogate. <laughs> on the plus side, dude, you got what you've always wanted, a never-ending Zayo song. I mean, I think, I think uh, yeah, I mean, I think the best comment that I saw on that so far uh, was in the Zayo Metalcore group where a guy was all like, oh man, can you imagine, you know, once this song finally hits, the anticipation that that must have built up for you? Because it's like right there. Because you know the intro to March is that it's like so intense. It's nothing but like a straight build. It's and two now, notes. They play them a lot. And now it's literally an eternal buildup. It's eternal hype. <laughs> it's such a clean loop that it actually sounds kind of cool. And it's to the point where like if I was a baseball player, that would be like my walkout music. <laughs> like for sure. <laughs> Well, before Dan goes on about tension that never resolves, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. I mean, what do you want me to say about five-star reviews? Uh, leave them for us. We like them. Uh, they make me feel good, you know, for the most part. Uh, but, yeah, overall, um, yeah, keep, leave, keep leaving us reviews on your podcasting apps. Uh, leave us some comments. Uh, follow us on Facebook. You look at look at all of our cool stuff, and uh, and we'll read all the cool stuff that you say on the show. Take a drink every time I say the word cool. Hashtag Zayogate. Cool, cool. Hey Brian, what's going on? And as the story grows, I've uh, ripped off this podcast for the Patreon page, and that's that's a lot of fun. So yeah, thank you guys <laughs> <laughs> for a little bit. For a little bit more on that, uh, Brian is doing a uh, he has a Patreon podcast called After Dark where he is sitting there and talking about the discographies of uh, of his favorite bands or maybe some bands that are not his favorite bands. But uh, he gets to do it, you know, in the privacy of his own home without assholes like me and Joe interrupting him every three seconds and being like, yeah, I disagree with that. But uh, yeah, so, but uh, yeah, th th it's really cool. It's a pretty low asking price to help Brian pay some of those podcast bills that are very real and very annoying to have to pay every month. 
So uh, throw throw dude some support. Throw him some money down. What is it like three dollars? It's not very much. Um, and uh, you can get a, you get the podcast for a buck. Oh, a buck. Okay. Well, then yeah. I'm 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 overachieving then. Uh, so after you subscribe to discuss metal for one dollar, go give Brian another dollar. I mean, for two dollars, yeah, you could have you could have a lot of extra content that all your friends don't have. So uh, yeah, definitely check out those after dark episodes. I highly recommend the hopes fall one. And the recent Under Oath one uh, that just came out, that one was a lot of fun. Uh, just hearing somebody else talk about Under Oath and be totally wrong on things. It was. It must be how people feel when they listen to our podcast. I was definitely not wrong on Under Oath. I don't know, man. You you were definitely right. clouds a lot of judgment. It does. It absolutely does. <laughs> we got a comment over on YouTube from Dominic on episode 158 NF where he just says, Real music, which I would agree with. That is, in fact, the NF tagline. Thanks, dude. <laughs> on Parkway, <laughs> right? Uh, on episode 186, Parkway Drive, Satanic Puppy Overlord says, just bought Horizons a month ago in Deep Blue today. What timing? It was really good timing. I'm I trying to remember who I was talking to that was all like, I really wish you guys would do Parkway Drive. And then like literally two days later, the Parkway Drive episode <laughs> drops. And it's like, yeah, I promise we're not inside your house just waiting for you to think of a band for us to talk about. But I realize in that case that it would it might appear so we got a message a few weeks ago from dagor he suggested we talk about rosetta space metal and just all around awesomeness today is your day so dan tell me about rosetta well rosetta is an american post-metal band from you guessed it if you've been reading it between the lines uh philadelphia pennsylvania and mm -hmm. um they are a <laughs> It's weird. So, so the genres that are that, that they're typically associated with are post-hardcore, shoegazing, drone, post-rock, avant-garde, and ambient. And I think that largely those are pretty good genre tags, uh, considering I feel like they kind of incorporate a lot of the like kind of all of those elements at at some point. Um, I haven't heard a lot of drone, but I can imagine that it's probably not too uh, too far off base here. For those that do not know, who wants to explain shoegazing? Brian, I'm looking at you. <laughs> uh, lots, of, lots of reverb, uh, lots of feedback. Uh, yeah, yeah, just drench, drench your guitars in reverb. That the term comes from just staring down at your pedal board and turning up that reverb. Let's go. So like lots of Starflyer, early Starflyer. My Bloody Valentine, Slow Dive. Yeah. And turning the knobs on the delay pedal so that you get that spacey sound, that whip whip sound. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And it's funny because the first time I ever heard music like that, I didn't even think that it was a guitar. I like probably would have described it really dumb as like, it's like electronics, but like more organic, man. You know, like something like that. It's just very, it's very, very ethereal, I guess, uh, in, a, in a way. And whenever you're like 16 and you're listening to it, it's like, it makes you feel like super important and like you, you know things that other people don't know. But uh, yeah, so Whenever I first got into Rosetta, it was actually my friend Buddy who basically he showed me a whole bunch of videos and it actually wasn't a great first impression because he was showing me YouTube videos of the band playing live. But like Rosetta is not like what you would consider to be like a huge band, meaning that like if you're watching live videos of Rosetta, you can't hear anything because they're taken on like shitty Nokia phones, you know, from like the mid 2000s. And so like I saw a dude on stage screaming his lungs out, but you couldn't hear any of the vocals and you could kind of sort of hear uh, some reverby guitars <laughs> going on. But like, so I was like, what, what is the point of this band? I can't hear any of the music. And uh, this was before Spotify or anything. So it was actually several years before 
before I actually got to hear Rosetta in 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 their actual form. And uh, I think the first uh, the first record that I heard by them was uh, a determinism of morality, and uh, would have have been a pretty big fan ever since. What about you, Brian? When did you first hear Rosetta? I got into Rosetta late. I <laughs> the first record I listened to them was the Dead Enders Reunion, their uh, kind of remix B side rarity record. Um, that they put out in 2016 and i stumbled across that on Bandcamp accidentally and uh loved it and went back and, and downloaded everything in their discography and became a huge fan nice i'm confident dan put one of these records on in the past but i really haven't actively listened to rosetta i'm aware of their existence but this band came around when the transition was from new metal to metalcore so definitely was not my focus in the early to mid 2000s. And up until this week, I hadn't listened to all of the records. Thankfully, I have a new band that I like listening to, and they're definitely going to be on the shelf as soon as I can buy copies of these albums. Now, did you listen to the albums and uh, <laughs> did you listen to the albums or, or did you listen to the albums and the EPs? Because honestly, I had a lot of trouble this week figuring out what was an <laughs> album and what was an EP. Uh, because they, they're all kind of roughly like these guys, an EP for them is like what? 40 minutes, 45 minutes, <laughs> which is longer than a lot of bands that I like entire albums. So, I mean, it was, it was a little rough. So we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of go a little bit into the EPs and I don't think that, and I know before you guys get worried, this is going to be like a three hour episode. It's definitely not because it's not even that there's a lot to say necessarily about each one, but I do feel like. I do feel like it's important to mention some of these because it kind of explains a little bit of the downtime between records uh, in a way. And uh, I feel like this is the kind of band that just has releases and it's kind of really hard to separate them out as, as EPs or, or albums um, versus like a regular band that might put out a 10 song album and then put out a five song EP. Rosetta, there, there's almost just no no real rhyme or reason to it. And uh, and so like, I think that's that's really interesting, but I guess let's, uh, let's jump in, shall we? This is what people are here for, right? Everybody skipped to what, minute 17 <laughs> of the podcast just to get to hear us talk about the records. Well, the answer to your question is I listened to the records first because we have a podcast to record. But after that, I threw the band on shuffle and just played whatever came to me. And some of that was the EPs. I think it's all good. There's just a lot of it for one person that hasn't listened to a lot of it to consume. So overall opinion pending further investigation. Let's put it that way. <laughs> 2005, the Galian Satellites. Sorry, I'm still just reeling from the concept of listening to uh, listening to Rosetta on Shuffle. Uh, it goes on forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, probably uh, like your Zayo album. The Galilean Satellites is uh, this is this is one of those records that like you know normally normally I would say like oh you can tell this is the band's first record because da 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 da. -da. These guys come right out of the gate being essentially masters of of their craft in that like the songs are drenched with atmosphere. They're drenched with just these really, really, really dense melodic um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say interludes, but I also don't want to sound pretentious enough to say soundscapes. But I would say that they definitely create a, create a mood and as they go, they kind of just build up to these more chaotic, um, hardcore-y parts with lots of screaming and lots of just intense, like, chaos. So, like, you could, 
you could cut the the more hardcore parts out of these songs and probably create a totally different sounding record out of them and i think that's that's kind of the rosetta formula if there's a formula i mean i mean the thing you say about this record is the band comes right out on their debut swinging it's a two disc record you have the album and then there's an ambient companion record and they're meant to be synced together so you know, back in 2005, yeah, you're probably looking at a CD player and you have to have two CD players and you got to put the disc in and hit play at the same time and enjoy the experience that way, which sucks. It's a complete pain in the ass. Who wants to do that? But we're here in 2020, you know, I host a podcast. I just did everything in my editing software, lined it up. And that's just how I listen to this record as a combined overlay with the ambient on top of the regular songs. And it, it just creates this extra layer of atmosphere, this extra hugeness to the sound. And it's like, what does Rosetta need to sound bigger, to sound more epic? And, and that's what they do on this record is like, we're going to give you an extra disc to take this record to the next level. Like, that's one hell of a debut. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, they, they didn't really build up to this. I mean, like, I'm sure they had, like, a demo before this or something, but, like, there was, there was no buildup of, like... Because I, I feel like with a lot of bands that ultimately end up sounding like this, you know, maybe they started as a hardcore band and then eventually started kind of experimenting with new styles and then ended up here. And Rosetta's kind of interesting in that they just kind of started here. Like, this this was kind of their launch point, uh, no pun intended. Uh, but, like, they are... It's so hard for me to describe this kind of music because it is very emotional. And honestly, like, this is a band that I really don't pay attention to the lyrics of at all because I just... Um, I'm kind of just caught up in the way that it makes me feel, and it's very selfish that way. But um, these records definitely are, um, e like, equal parts chill and intense. And I well, think you're not supposed. Go ahead. No, you're not supposed to pay attention to the lyrics. I mean, in the CD, there's no lyrics in the liner notes. It just says these songs are about a spaceman. Right, yes. and, they, and they and they sound like it. You know, a hundred percent. There are there are uh, fan attempts uh, to to translate the lyrics out and and write them out, but yeah, I just couldn't be bothered with any of that shit. You know, like it was just too much. I'm not a fan of any record that is released and intended to be combined to be fully experienced. I'm going to have to call bullshit on that and say, if the record's supposed to be big, then why did you cut it in half and release it on two separate discs? I'm having flashbacks to 10,000 Days, and we didn't really cover this on the show, but there are songs on 10,000 Days that were very clearly one song and then cut into pieces for the purpose of making the record longer. So to me, that kind of seems like bullshit. I get it. You want me to play two sides of the record at the same time, and then I get the full experience. So why not just release the record that way? For interaction. I mean, they were originally supposed to just be ambient pieces, segues between songs, like, ex and but they ended up having enough material. And the label said, yeah, let's do the second disc. Um, which, which is funny, because when you get to the next record, wake lift they release an ambient companion that literally is supposed to make the record sound like shit when you try to play them together <laughs> yeah it's almost like a like a fuck you in a, in a certain in a certain sense but i think that like this record is is so successful and i th i do think that it's a travesty that if you stream this record um on like on your streaming service or whatever it's going to show up as like a two and a half hour or like a two hour and 15 minute album and uh, it, I, I would feel really, really bad for anybody that suffered through like that entire length of time when you really what you should have had was just like a like an hour long, you know, maybe an hour and 15 minute long album. 
but I think that I think that overall this is a great debut. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, it establishes everything that you're going to get from Rosetta right away. And um, honestly, I I have trouble figuring out why this band isn't more popular in the sense that I feel like I feel like guitar nerds and like shoegazy fan like shoegaze fans would, would absolutely like th- these should have been like the the the, the darlings of of those types of groups but for whatever reason um i feel like rosetta has stayed relatively obscure um throughout their throughout their career 2007 wake lift <laughs> but not at the same time yeah definitely <laughs> definitely not um this record's interesting because i feel like in a lot of ways it's very very um they haven't really changed their sound up a lot on this one um that doesn't mean that i don't like it or that i think that it's like less than in any way um, I feel like this one's a little bit more, a little bit more intense, um, and kind of, kind of takes their sound a little bit further. But I don't feel like, like I don't know, like I can't, I can't say all the usual shit that I say uh, about these bands. Uh, like, oh, they they pushed their sound further on this record, or they progressed, or they did this, this. They were so fucking good from the beginning that this record is literally just more good. So like, whenever I say more of that, I don't mean that like they that they suck or that they're not creative or whatever. Their sound has the experimentation and the creativity b- baked into it um, from the beginning. So it's it's not really a, a discredit to the band that they're playing uh, a very similar style to their first record. If you loved that first record, getting a record like Wakelift is 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 what you want. Is some of the appeal the anti-pop mentality? Or is it left over from, like, the Grateful Dead and Fish, the bands that would play for hours and just jam on what is essentially a root concept? That's, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if it's either of those. Uh... And don't get me wrong. This band is way more intense than anybody I just said. Sure. But the concept of the listener and why I like this, it truly is an album. But then when you see them live they're not playing this note for note. There's no way they can. Some of this has improvisation built into it. I know that's the appeal with the Mars Volta, but at the same time, the records are fucking great and they can meander on for way too long, especially in the later part of the discography. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the band does, does a, a fantastic job combining the ambient, combining the metal, like in, in stretching it out. Yeah. Like, like you said, Dan, if you like the first record, you're going to like this record. Yeah. It's, and I'm going to say the same thing a, a lot tonight. <laughs> right. Like the, the only thing with Rosetta is like, like a record can be so good. And you're just like, as a standalone piece, this record is amazing. But I listened to the last record and it was so good that this one doesn't capture you the same way. I think there's a lot of that with this band um, where it's like, yeah, if I just listened to this and this is the first thing I heard, I would be blown away. Yeah. And and if even if it was new and I came into it and I listened to it, I would be like, oh, yeah, the new Rosetta is amazing. When I listen to six records in a row, you're like, yeah, it's still amazing. Is it better than the last thing I heard? I, you know, because I listened to the combined version of the Galean Sea so much or Galean Satellite so much. Um, like that record sounds bigger to me and more epic than this one. I think this one is a little more restrained. Um, lyrically, not about space, social commentary about uh, how poor parenting ruins kids' lives. <laughs> yeah, at, at some point he's like, I feel like everybody should own a dog for at least three years yeah. uh, prior to having children, <laughs> uh, which I mean, there's really not a whole lot of arguing with that. Um, and yeah, so that I thought that was kind of an interesting concept too, that they, you'd come from 
it, you'd come from like, yep, yeah, these are songs about a spaceman to kind of going into something a little bit more um, without trying to sound like a dork, but like something a little bit more important or something that was something that was very that, that I feel like a lot more people would would probably find more interesting and something that they would kind of dig into a little bit more. Um, and with with this album, they did also release a, a companion piece to it, uh, which is the cleansing undertones of Wake Lift. But like Brian said earlier, this is not meant to be consumed with Wake Lift. Um, there's a couple of things on it that are uh, that, that are actually used in Wake Lift, but there's not like, again, it's not like one speaker, two, two CD players, or mixing in of an MP3 or anything like that. Um, and you would think that something like this would just be like kind of, you know, in addition to, but I mean, this, this thing's like four tracks, so it's 41 fucking minutes. Um, honestly, I didn't really find the Companion EP to be that enjoyable on its own. Um, I thought it was just a little bit too disconnected from the record itself. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Correct. Exactly. Perfect. I mean, they, they intentionally made it. So like if you played it together, the record would sound awful. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Way to be dicks. Phenomenal. There must be something really simple that I'm missing as far as how the records are constructed and released. It, it's almost like we're back in the 60s, 70s, where you book that hour of studio time and you have four or five really solid concepts but then the actual execution is, well, how is the band going to play? Are we going to jam on this for 10 minutes and everybody's going to trade solos? But with this band, it's not like they're doing that. It sounds like they're just trying to create a soundscape. But then you release a companion to that that doesn't fit with the overall product. So this is the leftovers, basically. That, to me, is the only visible reason that the band is not more popular because... All of their albums are arguably not good because some of them are the leftovers. Yeah, I mean, it's not even that they're like necessarily like songs either, you know, um, it's just a lot of a lot of ideas. And but I do think it's interesting because like as a fan, I mean, I think the most enjoyable thing, even though I didn't really like the uh, even though I didn't really like the songs them like like i didn't like the tracks themselves that much it was fun to kind of listen to it and kind of pick out the elements that did get used for the album um as a fan i just kind of really enjoy that kind of stuff uh so i mean in that regard it's cool i mean even though it really just boiled down to like maybe a few samples that were the same <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean it was it was cool for what it is i just thought it, it deserved at least a little bit of a mention there do you think this is more of a liquid tension experiment where the band played for two hours and then cut out the good parts and that was the record? I mean, I've never listened to that band, so I don't know. But um, I I don't know. Like, I, I don't necessarily think that Rosetta is a jam band, like like you're saying. Uh, I do think that these, that these songs are very carefully crafted, and I think that they definitely go for a very specific vibe. And uh, the vibe the vibe for me continues very, very well uh, into the next record. 2010 a determinism of morality now this was the first this was the first rosetta that i ever heard and it could not have been a better introduction because i feel like i mean this is this is probably my favorite album by the band overall um just because i feel like the last one was like a little bit more post-rock a little bit less hardcore and uh since i'm a meathead the this one was a little bit more hardcore or at least a little bit more post-hardcore or whatever um, it's just it's just heavier and so obviously I'm always gonna gravitate towards that a little bit but uh, I don't know I, I really 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 liked this one just because it was 
probably one of the first records that they put out that I felt like could like you could you could sway a metalhead into this kind of music with this record. You you don't think you could have done that on their debut? Yeah, I do. Dude, they all okay. Can I just be real for a second? All the records sound the fucking same, and I love it. <laughs> right? Can we just get that out of the way right now? Like, I'm trying to find like how long have you been holding I'm that trying back? To, I'm trying to find like something really, really, really cool to say about it but there's really not a lot of cool things to say about it like it's just it is what it is like this band if you liked their first fucking record you're gonna like all of their fucking records if you hate their (laughs) records you're gonna have a bad time Uh, you know Rosetta's a hard band to talk about because like you know when it's a shitty band you have all this material where you can just like shit all over the band right or be like oh god why did they do this I'm looking at you new six feet under you know like why, why would somebody do something like that like why but with Rosetta it's like these guys consistently give me the fucking drug that I want every single time so yeah absolutely the last two records you could at, you could totally turn a metal head with it because there's enough metal there's enough hardcore uh, in there for people to enjoy if you if you like if you like slow ambient like heavy music or like post rock or post metal or post office like whatever like it's it's fucking it's fucking Rosetta and it's great so yes this one this one another 10 out of 10 uh would buy again <laughs> if I had the chance I mean I mean there's a swing on this record for sure I think there's there's more in the way of ambient guitar there's more I, you hate to say there's more space like like openness on this record because like that's what they did for two albums but like over time their their sound slowly morphs and there's more of the the post rock vibe there's more of the guitar standing out over time and I think I think this record dips into that for sure and and again it's one of those where I'm like this record is so so good, but I, I don't think it's as good as the first record. But it's it's still amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. Is it's like it's the classic fanboy argument of yeah, their worst record is your is better than your favorite band's best record. <laughs> you know, um, and I really don't want to call it post rock, but this is the record where it's kind of hard not to say that. Yeah, and and they they dive into that more, especially later in their discographies. Is there's there's some guitar tonage change especially going forward um absolutely yeah well i do feel like this is the one where like i i guess i guess what i like about this record that gives it kind of the edge for me is that it's a little bit more brief it's a little bit more to the point uh than than the previous two releases because you've got you've got an hour investment depending on how you choose to listen to the records uh, you've got an hour investment on each one of those, whereas this one you're, you're clocking in a little bit over 45 minutes, and the songs are shorter. And I think that's where I get that they're punchier and a little bit more immediate. And I kind of enjoy that because as much as I love, I love post rock and 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 post metal and all that shit. Uh, I do I do kind of like to be able to listen to one or two songs on my way to wherever, <laughs> whenever I'm in the car. Uh, and so I feel like I can knock out a significant portion of this record in one drive, um, which is, you know, not like a valid reason to like or dislike a record. But I do feel like but I do feel like that that's what why I find myself listening to this one more than I maybe listen to the others. You definitely have to make strategic choices when you're selecting what record you're going to listen to, depending on how long your drive is going to be and how long the activity is going to be that you're about to partake in. Yeah, I mean, what the hell between the buried and me? What the fuck with those 14-minute songs? You gotta swim to the moon sometimes, dude. I'm good. <laughs> this band this band takes me to the moon and beyond, so it's fine. Is it time for the anesthet? Yeah. yeah. 2013. 
This record's darker. I mean, first impression, like, this is a darker record than we've gotten from Rosetta before. Yeah, I wrote out of my notes, we've gotten moody here. <laughs> Not that there wasn't a mood before. But yeah, this is <laughs> this is much darker, and um, this was actually one of the, uh, th this was a self-released, um, like, band camp. This is, this is when the band went, like, full, full band camp mode, and it was just like, yep, we're here. The people that like us, that already like us, we're good. I don't really know what the story is behind uh, behind why they're self-released, but I have a feeling that they're the kind of band that maybe labels just didn't like spending money on. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. It definitely sounds self-released. Not a bad thing in 2013, but it's a significant jump from the previous releases to maybe we didn't have a mastering engineer on this one. I don't know the answer, but the record is definitely darker sounding, if only because it doesn't have as many of the effect layers going on. Yeah, that's for sure. It's a scaled back. It's it's not less ambient, um, but yeah, the, the noise factor, the extra sounds, bleeps and bloops you get are, are not there on this record. Um, yeah, it, it's almost like, yeah, for a band that does whatever they want anyways, <laughs> they could really, really taking more chances on this record. We talk about every record sounds the same. I think this record actually stands out in their discography as being significantly different yeah i agree i mean it's 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 definitely a more straightforward i don't want to say straightforward it's not really the right word but like yeah yeah you guys already said it there's no reason for me to just parrot exactly what you said but like it's uh yeah it's it's what you guys said i agree <laughs> it, it's 2013 we're independent now and this is our new record like you said if the fans are already there they're gonna buy the record and they're gonna be happy with it I mean, I think so. I mean, unless you're like a huge fan of, uh, unless you're just a huge fan of how big some of those earlier records sounded, this is not a big sounding record. This is actually like, like the way it's approached in my mind sounds like this should have been their first record and they should have built their way up to Galilean Satellite. You beat me to that point because once I listened to this record, I actually went back and started over. And then I started to question why the fourth record sounded more like a starting point than the first record. Then I noticed the self-released portion and I put all of it together. It's just interesting to me that you can break up this discography more than you can with other bands. And even if you listen to the records in a different order, you can still have an overall good experience. I think this is the start of... This is not my favorite record by Rosetta, but I appreciate it because it sounds like a good starting point. Yeah, totally. Like It's not my favorite, but I, I actually really, I, I found myself coming back to this one a couple of times. This is one of the records that I actually got kind of stuck on for a little while because I was trying to put my finger on exactly why it made me feel different. Um, I'm like, tr truth be told, I'm not like that analytical and sometimes I have to listen to things several times <laughs> before I before I can really get a good handle on it but like because i didn't really notice like the production or anything i could just i could just see that the songs were a little bit more um a little bit more straightforward uh a little bit darker a little bit moodier like i said i mean unfortunately in my notes literally all i wrote was moody uh so <laughs> that's uh th that's not a lot to go off of i know but but uh yeah i think if you're a fan of the previous records you're gonna like this one but uh there there is kind of a little bit more of a turn um and it sounds a little bit more um like dudes just jamming in a basement than it sounds like this gigantic like production and i think that's cool i think i think they need that when everything else has been 
uh, really, really huge sounding. Yeah, it's just where we dip into EPs. Yeah, flies to flame. Yeah, because this, like, you come out of something so moody, something so dark and, and kind of stripped down, and go to flies to flame, which really steers hard into, like, this relaxation, ambient post-rock vibe. Like, they really scaled it back. Like, it is the opposite end of the spectrum, and it is where the band goes moving forward. It is, you you might think, oh, these were throwaways that didn't make the last record, but this, this EP was released on translation loss. Um, and so it's not self-released. And it's like, this is where the band is going. These aren't throwaway tracks. This is the new direction. Yeah, we're, we're at a point now where we're not necessarily, I, I, I would say the hardcore elements are more or less stripped, kind of stripped away here. And yeah. And I'm fine Completely. with that because, again, um, I'm kind of getting to the point now where if I need to, because this is this is what I listen to modern day Rosetta for, is is having be, having the will to be able to concentrate and listen to these songs, and not even as background noise, but for whatever reason they kind of stimulate my brain in a way or kind of slow it down a little bit, and I am able to be more analytical or kind of I, I don't know it's it's easier to categorize my thoughts i felt that way when i was listening to this ep because i was just like man this is this is chill but it's kind of interesting in that like because i like i listen to like a lot of like um i'm a big fan of a band called uh, the mercury program and um that's the kind of like post-rock stuff that i really like listening to uh and it's all instrumental and you know um and i'm not saying that they sound like that band um but uh i do I enjoy that type of that type of post rock that's not just there to put you to sleep and it's not even like particularly like slow or or or, or dragging on or anything but at least, I don't know, it keeps my mind occupied in a way that really no other genre of music does and so it was kind of refreshing to hear Rosetta kind of go into this type of direction um where I could pay attention without having to like actively pay attention if that makes sense dude it sounds like you've been watching Toby Wright talk about tomes that's almost his pitch video verbatim well what, I, what i'm getting at is that like a lot of these bands that have super dense sounds and really long records um i have to sit there and kind of like stare at some lyrics that's part of the reason why i'm so big on lyrics is lyrics force me to pay attention to what i'm listening to but um in in this case the music is just interesting enough on its own to where um i don't have to like keep my I focused on the ball to know what's going on. And that is why I like EPs. If you're going to transition or change your style just a little bit, the EP makes sense because you're telling the listener what you're thinking about doing or you're letting the listener be a part of that transition versus releasing an entire record that has what seems like leftovers that may or may not fit. For fans of Rosetta, you're in on the band. If you're still here on the self-released, now you're paying attention that the band is actually progressing in that self-released mentality versus we made a bunch of stuff and here it all is at once. Put it together or don't, depending on what year it is. <laughs> so this next release gets really interesting. So somebody makes a documentary about your band. Uh, a guy named Justin Jackson did a documentary film on Rosetta uh, called Audio Audiovisual, and who better to do the soundtrack for that documentary than Rosetta? <laughs> and um, I didn't actually, I, I wasn't even going to really talk about this on the on the discussion, but I just thought that that I just thought that that was really interesting um, that they would do soundtracks. And then I started thinking about like what other movies it would be really cool to hear Rosetta do the soundtrack of. 
you know and um i don't know i thought that i thought this was cool it's it's definitely uh, a little bit more low-key but i just felt like it was it was worth mentioning because uh i don't know a whole lot of bands that, that do that i mean certainly people play clips from bands when they're doing band documentaries but this was kind of like an original score composed by the band for their own documentary, which was kind of neat. God, no, super chill, super ambient, super laid back. I mean, it's it's a it's a film score, and it's uh, it's different, but it, it's beautiful. The only band I can think of is Queen. Yeah, yeah. Are there any other bands that frequently make film scores? Uh, I think okay, this is a weird one. I'll throw it out here, but uh, Demon Hunter kind of did something like that. With their uh, 45 Days documentary, um, they wrote a whole bunch of like uh, instrumental songs for for that. Um, I kind of thought it was all hot garbage, but they did do it. So <laughs> there you go. It was not good. It was not. It was not great. 2015 quintessential ephemera. Oh yeah, this is the good yeah. shit right here, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this intro goes on forever, and I like it. I don't listen to yeah. stuff like this because I'm trying to get punched in the face by intensity. I listen to this when I've had enough of everything else, and this is a step up from the previous record and the previous EP. And the EP makes sense in the context of this record because it tells me where the band was going. And then we got there. They, they add a guitar player. They add clean vocals. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that intro, yeah. You're floating in water. You're floating in space. Like, um they really steer away from the metal side of their sound on this record. Um, and, and it's definitely a, a fresh sound for Rosetta. Um, they couldn't name their songs on this album. So that's annoying. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Like super melodic. That's that's all I got to say. Yeah, very, very melodic, very chill. Um, like I said, I really, this, this is kind of another kind of, <clears throat> it's not really a get shit done record. Cause I don't really like to do a lot when I, when I listen to Rosetta, uh, <laughs> I like to just kind of chill. Um, I kind of wish that I still smoked pot. I feel like it, it'd be more enjoyable if I, if I still did when listening to this band. But I do think that like they are, um, yeah, they, they, they've really come into their own as far as like kind of realizing, where the trail from where they started kind of leads. I feel like they do follow a similar arc of, of other bands kind of in this style where, you know, you kind of start off as one thing and you have the, you have this huge vision and for years and years and years, you, you never want to detract from that vision and you want to find ways to make it better. And they kind of went through all of that. They, like they went through that whole arc of like, we're trying to create this huge vision. And then I think after a while they, they reached a point where they're like, okay, well, what else, what else can we do with our sound? Keep it still like us have our own, like unique, um, our, our own unique touch. And I feel like these records do that. Like, cause even though they're softer and there's, there's more, there, there's clean vocals, like, you know, at all. Um, and, uh, and, and the songs are slower paced. They're more chill. They're more relaxed. Um, but there's still no question as to whether you're listening to Rosetta. They still, they still maintain their identity through the stylistic change. And I think a lot of bands are not able to really hold on to that. They're not able to do that. But Rosetta has on their side that they were fucking awesome and atmospheric from the get go. So it's not like they have to like figure out a way to like re-perfect that. And honestly, I'm probably making it a lot more complicated than it really was for the band. I have a feeling that they literally just all showed up and were like, okay, yeah, I kind of just want to do this now. Let's see if this, <laughs> let's see if this vibes really well. And they did. And it was great. I paid for the record on Bandcamp. Not going to say how much is. I paid. I'm a heartless bastard when it comes to pay what you want. <laughs> but <laughs> here's my two cents. <laughs> I think it has to be at least a dollar. Is it time for Utopioid? 
Well, I do want to take a quick pit stop to uh, a Dead Enders reunion, uh, which was their compilation record. And um, this is like remixes, reduxes of like all of, not all of, but like a whole bunch of their songs. And uh, I don't know, I kind of like hearing different versions. Like I said, I'm kind of a nerd like that. And it was kind of cool after all this like really chill, like more ambient stuff to kind of get different interpretations of some of the older Rosetta songs. Um, I thought that that was, that was kind of a welcome thing. And um, this record also has like, how many records have you ever listened to that has like 10 songs on a record? It's a compilation. It's great or whatever. But then there's 12 bonus tracks. Like <laughs> it, 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 at what point does do the bonus tracks kind of take over? But the bonus tracks are like, there's a lot of live versions of songs and demo versions which I'm a huge, huge fucking nerd. I love listening to demo versions of songs that I already know just to see what the differences are. And that's fun for fans because you're looking for something significantly different that makes you enjoy the song more than what you already did. Very rarely do you actually get that alternate version, that alternate take that is anything other than this is the take they didn't use. So it's interesting because how else do they want me to hear this song? This was my introduction to the band. And I mean, it, it got me hooked. The demo versions of uh, er- early songs, like I was like, okay, this is cool. Like I dig this band. Let's see what else they got. And then I get blown away. So um, even if that is your introduction point, there's enough cool stuff happening to get you hooked on this band or for me anyways. But I am also a music nerd. So that's yeah. why I'm here. I think we can all all relate to that to a certain degree. Um, all right, so we've got another record here. 2017, Utopioid. Utopioid. Um, I like the word. It sounds like the changeling. I just, I dig it. <laughs> uh, this, is, this was a pretty interesting release. Um, they are still very much um, sailing into their more... Um, I can take a drink every time we see the word atmospheric uh, territory <laughs> um, where they are still kind of, um, I don't know. It's, it, the music's almost starting to become so ambient that like, I felt like on this one, I had a little bit more trouble um, paying attention. At what point did they pass hopes fall on their way to the outskirts of the universe where it's nothing but ambience? Probably within the first three seconds of their first album. <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. If yeah, I had to, the, if I had to guess. Space bands. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this record is just the next evolution of what they were doing on the previous record. It's it's a little darker. Um, I think it's a bigger sounding record. I mean, Neophyte Visionaries, like such a killer track. Oh, yeah. Um, like, yeah, I mean, what, what else is there to say? The band keeps releasing massive records with complicated song titles and complicated album titles and 13-minute uh, songs, um, and they're all good. I <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Like, there's there's literally no fuck-ups, like, that I'm aware of. I'm sure if you ask the band members, they could tell you literally everywhere that they fucked up. But I think that, like, overall, yeah, it's just the next record by Rosetta, and it's great. You're going to love it if you like. At the very least, if you liked the last two, you're going to really love this one. Um, I, I could see maybe some people being a little bit more, like, heavy, but... Uh, I, I think I think it's I think well, it's, you wait because the heavy's coming. What's that? I said the heavy's coming, so just wait. Okay, gonna keep waiting. So normally this would be like the end of the episode, right? <laughs> this is the last record. Yeah. Well, it's not the last release though. How many exceptions are you making today? Well, th- that's the thing about this band is like it's complicated. 
Uh, they have two more releases, uh, and that would be uh, Sower of Wind and Terrasola. So, I mean, which uh, which one of those fine ones do we want to dig into first? Sower of the Wind is um, it's it's just ambient. It's it's more companion music. Yeah, it's um, low key. It's chill. It's it's you hate to say background music, but it that's what it is. It's um, it's not as commanding of your attention as their other releases. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we Terrasola, their most recent release, the title track, eleven and a half minutes of, of just bone crushing heaviness. I think it's the heaviest track they've done in a decade. Yeah, I feel like they they kind of had this feeling that they were going. <laughs> I feel like this feeling uh, that they were like, okay, the last three albums have all been the intro for this, uh, <laughs> like like for for this bone crusher. And I was actually really really surprised because whenever I got to this record, I was like, there's no way in hell this is the latest release. Like this must be something that they took. You know, this must be something that they took from earlier in the catalog and just released it in 2019. <laughs> you know, like I, I really because uh, I hadn't I hadn't been following the band for a number of years because of meathead reasons. And um, I, I just found that they were um, ugh, they were just I, I was so patient and I was so positive. And then like after all this time, they just gave me what I wanted. <laughs> And uh, and I think I think it's awesome. But like at the same time, even though this is like super heavy, the last two tracks are not right. They go they go back to kind of where they were. And um, it's it's Rosetta doing the Rosetta thing because they've learned kind of they, they perfected the atmospheric part of it. I think they always had kind of the heavy side of it down uh, as far as what they wanted to do with that. So you're getting um, you're getting that atmosphere again you're getting you're getting kind of those, those those more chill tracks but i don't know like it contrasts so well with the heavy on this one that i just think that they they i don't know if they 100 percent nailed it like do you do you like rosetta then you're gonna like this record yep joe's like fuck you guys i didn't listen to those i didn't know we were going to talk about 12 additional releases uh to the originals if i heard them they came up on shuffle and i wasn't paying attention because that's kind of what you get to do when you're listening to rosetta yeah i mean that is one way to do it. Um, well, it's funny too, because like Joe and I, like full disclosure, Joe and I were going to do this episode like uh, a week ago. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I feel like we might need to hold off because there's a lot more to this than, than meets the eye. You hey, know? Dude, I know this guy named Brian Patton. He's way into Rosetta. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. You might've heard of yeah. him. He's the host of the, as the story grows podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to him a couple of times, yeah. but I think that the thing is, is it like, this band like overall how many bands do you know that like just always did the thing that you like <laughs> kind of kind of the whole time not very many and even the ones that my brain tells me do the thing that i like all the time have a few missteps along the way yeah and, and rosetta does not they really don't like it definitely consistently delivers that ambient shoegazing I'm so happy Brian was on the show today because now I have a definition for shoegazing. And even though they changed along the way, they're still delivering that same concept that you've been listening to for the past 15 years. Did we do final thoughts? I think I think we just did final thoughts. I think everybody just snuck in a final thought there. Yeah, yeah I mean, you you got to if you're Joe, Joe disagrees. But my my final thought was you got to you, you got to commit when you're listening to Rosetta. Um, like the albums are so massive and they're, they're meant to be experienced and listened to as a whole, in my opinion. Um, and, and it's just a band you got to sit with and, and stick with. And, uh, every record is amazing. That's, I believe you're correct. 
the music as a whole is released as a single record because it's meant to be consumed as a single record. I definitely do not disagree. But with my limited exposure to the band, it's interesting how well it all plays together. So even if you were to combine it, it's still going to play nice. And that itself is even rare. Fair. I agree with you, fellas. Uh, yeah, I think this band is incredible, and I they're they're one of my one of my biggest secrets as far as like the types of bands that like I listen to on the regular. I think it's I think it's really hard because like you know we do this metal show and we talk about like metalcore and hardcore and like all that shit all the time, uh, and I love all that shit. I really 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 do. But um, most of the time, I I spend I spend my days listening to shit like Rosetta and like I said like the Mercury program, um, shit like Dead Can Dance. Like I like this just atmospheric shit that's just very very different. And um, I don't know Broken Social Scene. That's a good one. Um, like I like. I just like I just like that that sort of like post rocky stuff, um, and I think that's why it's so hard to talk about Rosetta because Rosetta's less of a band to me and more of just like a feeling. <laughs> so uh, th- this was a hard episode to get through because it was like I, I don't I don't get to say all the shit that I normally get to say about how like well this one dropped this element and this one was more of this and this was heavier this one was more commercial they obviously sold the fuck out right here you know like. None of that stuff applies to Rosetta. It's like a totally, totally different thing. Almost like they're on a different planet. And that's the last space pun that I'll make. But yeah, um, if you haven't <laughs> checked this band out, check them out. Um, they, they're, they're awesome. They're, they're going to make you feel good. And, uh, and you're going to love it. Sounds to me like everybody gave their final thoughts on Rosetta. So I'm going to release my version of an EP and say, Brian Patton, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is Orange Mathematics by Frontier. Uh, if you like Dillinger Escape Plan, but wish they didn't play any jazz or have any math elements in their music, then this band is for you. Damn, what about you? Well, I mean, despite all of the uh, all of the issues um, <laughs> that, that that have taken place uh, with this band, uh, and then this week, um, it's got to be Blood and Fire by Zayo. And then whenever I get my Splinter Shards next week, it'll be Splinter Shards by Zayo. Um, Blood and Fire is awesome. You should definitely check out that awesome build up on March. Uh, the the build up never ends. It will stay with you forever. And I was actually you know, so I, I had a crazy idea where I was like, I'm gonna get a fucking magnifying glass and I'm gonna find that specific groove that goes all the way around the record. And I'm just gonna like take an exacto knife and I'm gonna just like pop like a little itty tiny little piece out of it. And like the record will still absolutely skip. Like I will hear it, but I won't have to get up. <laughs> to make the rest of the record play, uh, so that's that's my going strategy right now. Uh, I have no idea how uh, I have no idea how the boys are going to going to re- well. I, w- what will end up being done about this, if anything at all? Hopefully, something will be done. But um, we say all of this in jest. Uh, we're not making fun of the band. It's just one of those things where, like, when they first started, the band was surrounded by drama, 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 drama. And now in the in now now they don't have interpersonal drama, but drama just keeps like creating itself <laughs> over and over and over again. So they uh, can't escape it. They cannot escape it. It's like it's just drama is a member of the band, the, the most consistent member, the only original member of the band. So yeah, so that's a long convoluted album of the week, but that's where we're at. 
I took a few musical detours this week, and one of them was Frank Zappa, the best band you never heard in your life, mostly live with a couple studio tracks. And if you want to hear a band that has been rehearsed to death and can play the most random, out-of-control shit, and it all sounds good, that is a record that should not be skipped by anyone. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this podcast and wanted us to talk about a different band than the one we talked about tonight, well, stay tuned. We talk about a different band every week. But if you'd like to be more involved in the process of what bands get picked, you can always reach out to us at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can tweet at us at Discuss Metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can join us on our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes that will take you right to Discord. And uh, you can always check out our Teespring store uh, where we have lots and lots and lots of sweet merch. Every Monday and Thursday night at 1030 Central, I am on Twitch streaming video games. Uh, at least I will be whenever my computer is fixed. So uh, stay tuned for that. Twitch.tv slash Discuss Metal Dan. And on that note, this has been episode 191 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Dan and Joe Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. Brian Patton and As the Story Grows can be found at asthestorygrows.com and on all your social media platforms. Right now.